Okay, we're in a series called Strange Things, and this is the final week of the series, and it's about the supernatural, the things you cannot see. Most of us probably here or watching believe in a God, an invisible God we can't see. Not as many people believe in an evil entity, the devil or Satan. Uh, Jesus believed it, writers of the New Testament believed it, and course, he doesn't want us to think he exists. So we're talking about some of the ramifications of not believing in evil forces and how they can affect us. Today's topic is about mistakes, or it's no mistake. <clears throat> There's an S word we don't like to use very often. In fact, this S word is a little word that um, makes us not feel very good, and that's the word sin, sin. Now, when your kids mess up, you don't say, you're, sinner, you're sinning. Or if you're bought, you mess up with your employer, they don't say, you sinned against the company. Or if a cop stops you, a policeman, patrolman, and gives you a ticket, he doesn't say, you sinned, here's your ticket. Or um, lots of other examples. We don't use that word. Because sin implies punishment, doesn't it? I've done something wrong, I need to be punished. So we're going to look at a definition of sin. Sin also implies a um, higher power, a transaction of divine, a transgression, excuse me, of divine law. So this greater power we call God or Yahweh has some rules, and I've broken the rules, and um, God's not happy with me. An act regarded as such a transgression, especially a willful or deliberate violation of some religious or moral principle. So it's something we knew we shouldn't do and we did it anyway. We probably did it before and we'll probably do it again. It's a willful, it's a purpose, a decision. And again, the real reason we don't like to use this word because it makes us feel bad. It makes us feel like bad people because bad people sin, right? So we like to change the vocabulary. And we say, I didn't really sin, I just made a mistake. You know, I, I drove faster than I should, and, and I made a mistake. Or I made a mistake at work. Or my kids just made a mistake. They didn't really mean to do whatever they hit their brother or sister. They didn't really mean to. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah they did. It wasn't just a mistake. So let's look at the definition of mistake and compare it. A mistake is an error in action, calculation, opinion, or judgment caused by poor reasoning. And I wasn't thinking, so I drove too fast. Or, or my kids weren't thinking, and so they got in this, this scuffle. Or I wasn't thinking at work, so I made this mistake. You know, two plus two is five. That's a mistake, right? I don't feel bad when I make that kind of mistake, do I? And I don't know about you, one of my favorite expressions is, especially with my wife, <laughs> I try not to use it anymore, but when I've done something I shouldn't have done, I say, well, nobody's perfect. You don't expect to be perfect, do you? And of course, obviously that's true. So what are some of the differences between a mistake and a sin? There's lots, but I'll give you a couple. First, sin is intentional. I knew better, but I did it anyway. I knew I shouldn't, but I did it. Or I knew I sh- uh, should do something, and I didn't do it. Uh, mistakes are ac- accidental. A couple of weeks, months ago, I'm messing around in our refrigerator, and I hit this glass container with I think it had oatmeal or something in it, and it fell on the floor, and in our kitchen we have a stone floor. And so 
Guess what happened? Scattered, and we were days cleaning up all those little shards of glass. But anyway, I didn't ask my wife to forgive me for that. It was a mistake. I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't mean to. I try and be more careful now. Afterwards, haven't done it again. But it was a mistake. It was an accident. Now, also, sin requires forgiveness, doesn't it? If I've broken a law, I need to be forgiven for that law. The speeding ticket, you pay your fine. That's your forgiveness, right? Uh, but a sin requires forgiveness. A mistake, eh, maybe because of the fine, you have to replace it, you know, buy something to replace what you've broken, but you don't have to ask for forgiveness because sin re- implies punishment, um, judgment, and being judged. So we like to think more like a mistake. So it was a sm- mistake I drove too fast. Uh, when I cheated on my spouse, that was just a mistake. That wasn't a sin. Or when I cheated on my income taxes, that wasn't a mis- sin. That was just a mistake, right? So there's a huge, big difference between sin and mistake. Now, in this series, we're talking about this invisible world. A lot of things we can't see, but there's a spiritual forces of good and spiritual forces of evil. Obviously, they have a big impact on this visible world. And we don't think about it as much as we should, and we don't think about the impact as much as we should. And Satan, the evil force, uh, evil forces, or evil powers, his major weapon is deception. He wants to deceive us. We talked about he deceived us about how we respect or react to authorities. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We talked about last week how we may get mad at God because of pain and suffering. That's a deception. It's a result of sin that we're talking about today that there is pain and suffering. So if I'm a mistaker, all I got to do is um, try a little harder, maybe develop some, some skills I didn't have before. Uh, pay more attention to, what, to what's going on around me. If I'm a mistake, that's all I got to do. But I don't need a Savior because I haven't sinned. On the other hand, if I'm a sinner, I'm in deep weeds, as they say. <laughs> what do I do about that? I need a Savior. So if you think, well, I'm just a mistaker, let me ask you a couple questions. For example, what about that internal stuff? Okay, maybe you're not, you know, speeding or beating up people or whatever you want to call it. What about that stuff? Think about jealousy. You ever get jealous? Is that just a mistake? Or is that something worse? Is that something deeper? You know, somebody gets something new and you're driving around an old clunker and instead of being happy for them, you're, you're jealous. Ah, they shouldn't have that. I, I deserve that car, new car more than they do. Or somebody at work maybe messes up and you're, oh, I'm so sorry, but inside you're saying, hey, maybe I'll get a promotion over them. So where, where does that come from? Is that just a mistake? Right, here's a biggie. What about guilt? Did I feel guilty for knocking that dish out of the refrigerator on the floor and breaking it? I didn't feel guilty. But I have guilt, and they tell me Catholics, I'm not Catholic background. The Catholic Church is really expert at teaching people guilt, but I'm Baptist background, and even in the Baptist church as a teenager, boy, they really poured on the guilt. Because um, there's sins of commission when I did bad stuff. 
but I could even do bad stuff by not doing the stuff. And so that's how I was taught. So I always felt guilty as a teenager, even if I wasn't doing something wrong or not. So if, you're, if there's no sin, if it's just mistakes, where does guilt come from? So the reality is this. The problem is we know better, don't we? If we really are honest, if we really think about it, there is more a problem than just making a mistake. There's something deeper. deeper. <clears throat> we often do things, let's be honest, on purpose, right? So we're going to look at some words of Jesus. <clears throat> now, it's interesting when Jesus was dealt with, we call big-time sinners, and he seemed to get along with them fine. He had a little trouble with the uh, religious people. But, okay, you would think, well, Jesus must have dumbed down the laws or the rules because if the really sinful people still, you know, hung out with him and liked him. But that was not the case. In fact, Jesus kind of upped the ante on the rules and the laws. And um, consequently, there's kind of one or two reactions, all right? I put it on your outline. Either I'm a terrible person to do all these terrible things, or does God love me? Now, I don't know about you, but we don't really love people to do terrible things. The president of the Soviet Union, Russia right now, most of us don't really love him, do we? In fact, we're going to find out we should be, but anyway, uh, in a minute. Uh -uh. But we don't love people to do terrible things. So if I'm terrible, then God can't love me. Put on your outline this way. I'm worse than I think. None of us like to think we're bad. Most of us think we're pretty good people. We're worse than, we, than you thought, and God loves you. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. God loves you more than you can imagine. So even though we don't love people that are doing terrible things, God does. So consequently, we end with what I call the word, best word is hope. Even though I do terrible things, I have hope. So let's try and figure out, how could I be? So in Jesus' uh, first sermon that we have recorded, called the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about a lot of different things, but he talked about this specifically. And um, this is right near the beginning, chapter, chapter 5. <clears throat> Next week, when we talk about prayer, we're going to be in chapter 6. So Jesus is speaking, he says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to dumb down the law, to make it easier. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or writings of the prophets, their Bible, our Old Testament. He said, I didn't come to do away with that. Uh, I've come to accomplish their purpose. Now, what was the purpose? Well, it had multiple purposes, but ultimately, the purpose of our, the whole Bible, uh, all God's laws and, and writings, is that we are... Because we're sinners, we're separated from God, and God loves us enough that He wants to fix that. He wants us to be in relationship with Him. He wants us to forgive us. And um, so that's the purpose of the law. So, Old Testament, New Testament. <clears throat> also, the part, purpose of the law is to teach us how bad we are, or terrible we are. So he goes on. So if you ignore, just the, you know, these little... Rules and laws, we don't think are that important. If you ignore those and teach others to just say, ah, you don't have to worry about that, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law, 
and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So how, how, what is your, where is your obedience meter? How are you doing in, in obedience? Not just to the big thing, but even to the little things. So, Jesus is going to give us a couple examples. Instead of dumbing it down, he's going to up the ante on these rules. All right? Again, it's amazing because he's got, you know, tax collectors and prostitutes listening to him talking. So, skipping down a couple of verses. Uh, no, just the next verse. I want to warn you. Jesus said, okay, I want to warn you. Something pretty important. Unless your righteousness, your goodness, is better than the righteousness or goodness of teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. Now, he was considered a teacher of the law, or a religious teacher. So, Jesus included, you will, what's the next word? Never enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to go to heaven when we die. And it just sounds like I'm never going to get there. Because these Pharisees were paid to be good, if you will. Their job was to be good. They made their living being good. Now, as we find out studying the New Testament, they, they'd look good on the outside, not so good on the inside. So I said, now most folks don't have time to be, quote, full-time good people, Right? We've got work and we've got to take care of family. You know, I go to the synagogue on the Sabbath and maybe celebrate the religious holidays, but life is tough. And I don't have the time to spend all my time and energy being good. And these folks can, so there's no way I can be gooder, better than them. So, it's a pretty, pretty hopeless situation. I don't have a chance. Well, Okay, got some hope for me, Jesus? <laughs> he goes on. <clears throat> Let me give you a couple examples of this. You've heard that our ancestors were told, one of the Ten Commandments, must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to the judgment. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of happy there's a couple Ten Commandments I can kind of eliminate. I, our parents are dead. So I don't have to obey my parents anymore, right? That, one, that one's off the table. I, I've never killed anybody. That's another one I can take off the table. Um, but Jesus said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, you know what the Old Testament says, but I say, if you even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Uh-oh. Maybe I can't check that one off. In fact, I know I can't check that one off anymore. I've gotten angry. At people. And so, uh, I'm guilty of that one, after all. Always is amazing to me. This is, again, one of the top ten commandments. And uh, these religious leaders, a few years later, are going to do what to Jesus? They are literally going to murder him. Amazing. On the cross. Okay. All right, Jesus. That's a little tough. What else you got to tell me? Well, there's this other one in the top ten, ten commandments. You've heard the commandment, you must not commit adultery. Uh, that's one I can check off. I have never done that one. But I say anyone who's even looked at a woman, it's interesting, it doesn't say a man, man looking at a woman, but woman, man looking at women, but not women looking at men, but I think it applies to everyone. 
with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ah, broke that one too. If that wasn't bad enough, I didn't put this one on there. A little bit later, Jesus said, um, the law says to love your enemies, uh, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. I don't know about the hate part, but anyway. He said, no, 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 no. You are to love your enemies. I can't do that. Not only love them, or a way you can prove that you love them, and pray for them. Well, I don't even spend enough time praying for people I like, much less people I don't like. It's hopeless. I don't have a chance. Nobody can be that good. Or on your outline, who could be that good, right? And I imagine Jesus saying, now you understand. That's my point. Why? Why? Why do the people, nothing like Jesus, like I said, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and you know, the dregs of society, we would say. Why did those people like Jesus so much? We heard just some of the stuff he said. He didn't say, uh, it's okay if you're, you know, you mess sin. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, I want to make sure you all realize how sinful you are. Of course, people like that know they're sinful, don't they? Yeah. So what was Jesus' message? He said, basically, you're a sinner and hopelessly lost. Right? We all are. Even these religious leaders. All sinners and hopelessly lost. That's not all of it. God loves sinners. We don't love sinners so much. But God loves sinners. And consequently, He sent a Savior. Now, if you're just a mistaker, do you need a Savior? No. But if you're a sinner, you need a Savior. So bottom line, there's something fundamentally wrong with all of us, no matter how good we try and be or think we are. So we're going to look at a story um, that Jesus, uh, Bob Jesus, uh, about one of these things we just read. So... <clears throat> group of religious leaders brought this woman to Jesus and said, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. Every time I read that, I think, well, what about the guy? I mean, it doesn't take two, but anyway. Um, caught in adultery, the law, the Old Testament, our, our, our Bible, our law says she should be stoned. Now, they weren't practicing that in the first century, but that was what the law said. Jesus kind of ignored them. He's stooping down, right now on the ground. We don't know what he was writing. Someday maybe I'll ask him, hey, Jesus, what were you writing? But anyway, we don't know what he's writing. Eventually, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let up. So Jesus said, okay. Who's ever without sin, there's our word, you can throw the first stone. And he goes back to writing on the ground. Time passes. Scripture verse, or passage says that the, the older person's walked away first. I guess the older we are, the more sinful we realize we've been. Uh, eventually, all, everybody walks away. So everybody admitted they were sinners. Now, we could have make an excuse for this lady. Uh, maybe she had a bad upbringing, or maybe she had no upbringing. Maybe she's off the streets. Maybe she sexually abused as a child. We, 
we would, we would like to make like excuses for her and make it mistake. Oh, she just made a mistake. Maybe he was, said he was single and he lied to her. You know, she just made a mistake. Is that what Jesus said to her? Notice what Jesus said. He said, he stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? No, they're all gone. Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, they're all gone. No, Lord, she said. So obviously, Jesus is going to take down her, right? Jesus said, neither do I. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. You're God, and when I sin, I get judged. I feel condemned. Don't you feel condemned? Neither do I condemn you. But here's our word. Go and what? Sin no more. Sin hurts you. Sin hurts people that you care about. So what is God's attitude towards sin? You mean he's not going to judge me? He's not going to, he's not mad at me? He's not going to zap me? What is God's attitude? Well, in, in uh, Luke's gospel, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, stories about Jesus' life. In Luke's gospel, chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories about lost things. First, there's a lost sheep that is found, a lost coin that is found, and the third one was about a person that was lost. And we call it the prodigal son story. Anyway, this um, dad has two, two sons. The younger son comes to him and says, hey, dad, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, I'd get my inheritance. But you're not, so I wish, wish you were. Uh, think there's any way you can give it to me ahead of time? <laughs> and the amazing thing is, again, this is a story, a parable. The father represents God. The son represents you and I, right? He says, okay, even though you greatly disrespect me, I'm going to give you your inheritance. Gives him his inheritance. Time passes. Probably not much time. He blows it all. He's penniless. He's homeless. He's on the street. He begins to start thinking. He says, you know... Life is tough. Nobody's very kind or merciful to me. My father's a merciful person. He treats his servants really well. I'll go home and just ask for his mercy that he would not let me back in the family. Of course, he'd never do that. But just let me work for him. At least I have a roof over my head and food to eat. Okay? So he's kind of rehearsing this in his mind as he goes back home. So he gets back to the father and he says, ah, I, there's our word, right? I didn't make a mistake. I sinned against both heaven and you. And consequently, I'm no longer worthy to be called one of your sons, of course. Uh, I'm asking for mercy. I don't deserve it. Now, interesting thing is, mistakers don't run back to God, do they? A mistake, I don't need forgiveness. Did he deserve mercy? Do any of us deserve mercy? No, of course not. So what's the father's response going to be? Well, again, representing God. How does God feel about our sin? Father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Wait, 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 wait. Shouldn't he uh, uh, you know, suffer a little bit? Make him wait, make him grovel. Uh, he certainly should try and repay. Shouldn't he have to repay this money that he took? Now, this implies that he's accepting him back in the family. 
as a son, even though that's not what he asked for or requested. He goes on, kill this, kill the calf. We've been fattening. What? We don't eat calves very often, but this is a celebration. It's a party. We must celebrate with a feast. Why? For this son of mine was dead. It's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. So what could be the moral of the story? Well, the sooner we embrace our sinfulness, not our mistakenness, our sinfulness, the sooner we are candidates for God's grace. The sooner we're in position to meet our Savior. The sooner we're like this prodigal son coming back to the Father. Uh, Paul, writing in Romans, puts it pretty clearly. Most us church people have known this verse for a while. Everyone has sinned. Okay? We're not just mistakers. Everyone has sinned. And we all fall, fall way short of God's glorious standard. So God's got mad at us, right? He's judging us and he's going to zap me and, and all that. You know what the next verse says? Most people don't know the next verse. Yet, or but, God in his grace, freely, something free, all like something free, right? Freely makes us right in his sight. Instead of being sinners, we are declared righteous. How, how is that possible? Well, he did it through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. I, I, I owe too much. I, I think I put on, yeah, I put on the outline. Really bad news for all of us, right? We owe God so much we can never repay Him. No hope. Good news, though. God has had someone else pay our debts for us. If I'm a mistaker, it's all about, oh, I just need to do better. I don't need for my debt to be paid. Sinners need debts to repay. So, do you believe you're a mistaker? This is kind of your homework assignment. Do you believe you're just a mistaker? Next step. Or are you convinced you're a sinner and need a Savior? And if you're newly convinced that you're a sinner and need a Savior, I would encourage you to accept God's free gift of salvation. And we'd love to help you with that. Most of us have been Jesus followers for a while. So the problem is, if I'm just making mistakes, I don't come to God with asking forgiveness. That's something we, that's an ongoing discipline of being a Jesus follower, right? Eh, it was just a mistake. Eh, it's just a mistake. And God says, no, 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 no. You need my grace. You need my mercy. You're not just a mistaker. Even as a Jesus follower, we still have sinned and need His forgiveness. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank You. We thank You for uh, this wonderful glimpse into Your character. Because most of us pretty much feel like You get mad at us every time we do something wrong. Whether we call it a sin or not. And some of us uh, kind of 
trying to change that category into mistakers. We just don't feel bad. We don't feel bad. We don't feel like we're bad people. And we're so glad that the situation's so hopeless <laughs> that you were willing to do what we could not do. You were willing to pay what we could not pay. So we could have our sins forgiven and be in relationship with you from now through eternity. And God, I just pray that we cease to be deceived by the powers of evil. They want to dumb down our, our sin. Uh, you, Jesus, just jacked it up. We are terrible sinners. Bad news. Good news. You love us more. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.